Hey, good morning, those of you watching us online. My name is Jonathan Dunn. It's good to see you again. We're streaming live from Rick Bonfin Ministries office here in Athens, Georgia. And this week is a special week for me because uh, my father is with us. <laughs> Dr. Reverend Dan Dunn, a Reverend Doctor. I don't know. I never know which way to, which Grand, one to do first. Granddaddy. Granddaddy Dunn, Dr. Granddaddy, Reverend Granddaddy. And, um, do flunky. So from Monday through Friday this week, Thursday. Five, through Thursday this week, Am I four supposed days. supposed to do Friday? Yeah, it's supposed to be Friday. Okay, okay, yeah. I'll do Friday. Monday to Friday, <laughs> he's going to do a series on the book of Philemon. So uh, it, it, I invite you to go start finding it now. It's in the New Testament. So start with Matthew and start turning right until you get there. If you get to Revelation, you went too far. And uh, so I want to thank uh, my father for coming and doing this because it's a special treat for me. And uh, I learned I'm a product of him and my mom, Nancy Dunn, and they have invested in me for years and years, and they continue to do so. And I would never be where I am today without their influence and their prayers and their upbringing in my life. So I'm grateful and am proud to say that this is my father standing here to teach me the word this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, before you Take leave, an agreement. I won't tell any stories if you won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got a deal. Okay. <laughs> It's great to be with you this morning. I appreciate the opportunity. I thank Rick for inviting me and trusting me with this. <laughs> he might never invite me again, but we'll see. Uh, we're going to enjoy the book of Philemon. I've pronounced it Philemon my whole life, and I heard John pronounce it Philemon the other day, and I thought I may have uh, learned a, a, a bad pronunciation years ago and didn't know it and just kept repeating it. And so I looked it up online, and, and that is what happened. I have been pronouncing it incorrectly <laughs> for probably 50 years. So thank you, John. Uh, John is much more than a product of his parents. He's a product of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's a much new and improved version <laughs> of either of his parents. And we are grateful to God for that. Uh, I'd like to pray. Uh, let's pray real quickly. Lord, we just bless your name today for your word. First of all, for your word incarnate in Jesus uh, Emmanuel, with us. Lord, we are so grateful that you are with us in the person of Jesus and that you loved us so much through that incarnate word, Jesus, that you were willing to die uh, and just suffer immense pain and suffering and humiliation and the weight, the physical, emotional, spiritual weight of our sin so that we might be redeemed. And so, Lord, today we celebrate their then your written word and ask that you would help us dig deeply into your written word today. Uh, may your spirit guide us because in our human minds, we are not capable of understanding and applying your written, written word. First of all, we won't be able to understand it. Secondly, we won't have the will to apply it. <laughs> but through your spirit, we can because we are, we are sinful people, but we're redeemed sinful people. And we are filled with your spirit and we count on your spirit to guide us today as we dig into your word here in Philemon. In Jesus' name, amen. So to begin, I'd like to invite all of you, if you found Philemon, it's the first book just before Hebrews. Put a bookmark there or your finger there, but do not read along with me. I am going to read the book of Philemon out loud for us to begin. 
And the reason we do this is because it helps us approach more carefully, more closely, the original context of the original listeners, because there was only one copy of the letter of Philemon when Paul first wrote it. And then it was sent to Philemon, and it was read out. Well, Philemon may have read it himself first. We don't know. But it wasn't just sent to him. It was sent to the church as well. And so we are 99.9% sure that it was read out loud to the church. And so they first heard it out loud, read to them. And so we want to try to approach that context as best we can. So I'd like you to try to imagine that uh, a letter has arrived from the Apostle Paul, whom some of the folks in this congregation have met, have heard preach, may have come to Christ under his ministry, and they haven't seen him in a while. They may have heard through the grapevine that he's in prison, and a letter has come from Paul. And surely the word has spread among the congregation. We're going to, uh, a letter came, a letter came. They're going to read a letter from Paul this morning. And so imagine the excitement about everyone in the congregation as this letter is read to them. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And excuse me, I am reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And then after I read from this version, I'm going to ask someone else to read from the King James. Okay? But I want us to hear two different translations. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear brother and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God, because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do in Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. 
I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May God bless the reading, the hearing, and the acting upon God's holy word. Now, would someone here please read, uh, if you have a King James, would you please read it out loud at a microphone in the King James Version, and we're again all going to listen and not follow along. So just one person please read. <coughs> in the King James. Yes. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy our brother, unto Philemon our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have, which you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all saints, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Jesus Christ. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech you for my son Osemus, one Semus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to you unprofitable, but now profitable to you and to me, whom I have said again, you therefore receive him, that is my own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in your stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without your mind would I do nothing, that your benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season, you should receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specifically to me, but how much more unto you, both in flesh and in the Lord. If you count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he has wronged you or owes you aught, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to you how you owe unto me, even your own self abides. Yes, brother, let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, having confidence in your obedience I wrote unto you, knowing that you will also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee. Ephraim, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So uh, 
as we approach Bible study, especially if you're going to study an individual book, I always encourage people to either read out loud to themselves or listen, which is even better. You can do it through Bible Hub, through Bible Gateway. Listen to a book being read out loud by someone else so that you can do the same thing. You can try to approach the original context in which, especially if it's a New Testament book, in which folks heard it before they ever laid eyes on it. And even if they laid eyes on it, many of them couldn't read. Uh, they're, they're, a lot of them were literate. So uh, to approach the original context better, it really helps us to read a book out loud. We began doing this in the seminary in Venezuela years ago. They had never done it before. I had never done it before because no one ever taught me. And they found it to be extremely, extremely helpful. Uh, and so I encourage everyone in whatever language to do this. And if you happen to know uh, another language, it's good to hear it in the other language too because sometimes things just jump out at you in a love, another language. Uh, and so I would encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to do it multiple times. We've done it twice here with Philemon. I actually asked the Venezuelan students to listen to a book at least three times before they do anything on paper. Okay. Uh, so did anything jump out at you? That's one of the things I like to do at the beginning of studying a book. Just did anything jump out at you? Did, did anything call your, capture your attention as, as it was read out loud? Yeah, one of the things, one of many, was that Paul as a leader, place greater value on trying to help people sort of sort of helping to bring them along to where he is and where his heart was instead of just forcing them. He, he wanted them to grow and develop and be able to see the situation from the perspective that he did um, where this man needed to be received with grace and with forgiveness. And he actually saw it as a ministry opportunity to um, the people that were receiving the letter. You know, so there was multiple goals that he's trying to accomplish here. And one of them is just helping them to grow in the Lord in that way. Okay, so uh, very, very good, John. And so I'll rephrase it. I have a tendency to do that and when I'm writing at a whiteboard especially. Uh, but if we were going to try to capture that in a phrase, Paul wanted to lead to consent. He wanted to lead them to consent, especially uh, Philemon, because he, uh, Philemon was the one who had more at stake with Onesimus, and we'll get into that later. He wanted to lead to consent rather than, uh, how would you phrase it, rather than order from above uh, as an apostolic authority. Okay, And so uh, one of the things John's observing one of the things John has done here is moved from observation to interpretation, uh, which we all are going to do. What I do caution all of us about is we stay with observation before we move too quickly to interpretation. I think John's interpretation was correct. <laughs> uh, but I just want to caution all of us, when we're in the observation phase, we want to see what the text says. Observation, what does the text say, not what do I think it means. Okay, and our tendency, I have a little uh, chart here. I don't know how well you can see things on the computer, uh, so I don't know if you can see this or not, but I'll explain it. So if we were doing a pyramid, there are three, other than prayer, prayer undergirds Bible study all the time, okay? Other than prayer, there are three primary steps to Bible study, observation, interpretation, and application. Observation, what does the text say? Interpretation, what does it mean? 
And when we talk about what does it mean, we really are asking what did it mean then to them. And only then should we think about what it means now to us. So you can sum that up in six words. Then to them, now to us. Okay. So observation, interpretation, and application. So observation, what does the text say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Application, what should I do? What should I do? And so this is what it should look like. We should spend a lot of time on observation, discerning what the text says before we try to discern what it means, and then before we try to discern what we should do. But what tends to happen in all countries, <laughs> but I've especially noticed in, in the United States, we do very little observation. We don't really pay attention to what the text says. Why? Because we think we already know what it says. And the temptation to do this is even greater for those who have been Christians longer who should know better, but we don't know better because we've been re reading the Bible a lot longer, and we've read it multiple times probably, okay? And so we assume we already know what it says. And so we quickly jump from observation to interpretation. What does it mean? Well, there's a danger here for two reasons. First of all, we haven't really, we haven't really, we haven't really leaned into the Word and what it says. Okay, we haven't dwelt there. The second uh, mistake here, or uh, danger here, is that when we don't pay attention to what the text says, we immediately assume that it says what we think it should. Okay, I, I don't really need to pay attention to any scripture about the Holy Spirit. I already know everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. And so I lay over the Bible, I lay on top of the Bible my ideas, my preconceived notions. Okay, and that's pretty dangerous. <laughs> that's very, very dangerous. Okay, but that is our temptation. And so we usually do a little bit of observation and then we... Start, we almost start with interpretation. I'm coming, to, I'm coming to Philemon knowing what it means. I've studied Philemon before. I know what it means. I know everything there is to mine in Philemon. That will never be true for a believer. A believer will never know everything that can be mined out of a book because the Holy Spirit will always be able to reveal something fresh to us for the current time and the current place in which we find ourselves. Okay? And so we do not want to lay on top of the Bible our preconceived ideas, our theology, what our preacher believes, what we believe, etc. No, we want to know what the text says and only then go to interpretation. But anyway, we do this, and so that leads us to invalid application because we're applying something that's not really true. Okay, so, uh, so John, I am not scolding you for moving to interpretation. <laughs> No, I was just trying to give you a good segue. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, so, but lead to consent. So it's obvious we observe here, Paul says, I would rather you consent to do this than me have to order you to do it. The text does say that. Okay. Anything else anyone has observed that jumped out at them as you heard this read out loud? Yes. Betty? Um, that this man formerly was useless to you in verse 11 and then in verse 18 if he has wronged you in any way so obviously okay i've got to observe and not interpret here yes. he had been not seen as a very valuable member of right. the group in fact someone that might be um 
not very much desired in their midst, but he has become precious to Paul, even to the point where Paul is saying, I don't want to give him up. Yes. I would, I would prefer to keep him with me. That's how precious and that's how much transformation obviously must have taken place in his life. That's interpretation. That's interpretation. But, but that, that's an, a good interpretation. It to be a good interpretation. He it's, used to be useless. He, pr- he may he have wronged now a them, beloved brother. But now he's beloved. So That's what the text says. Okay. Okay. And then we'll go to interpretation later. Your interpretation is actually a good one. Uh, but we want to train ourselves not to jump, just not to jump there too quickly. But what we definitely observe is he was formerly useless. One of the observational clues, there are a lot of observational clues that help us when, who, repetitions, and I'll go over some of those through the week, okay? But one of the observational clues that Betty has picked up on here is, uh, is the when, okay? In this case, it's verb tense. He was useless. He is a beloved brother. So when isn't only the day after this, Jesus went to Galilee, okay? The when is sometimes chronological, but sometimes the when is also verb tenses. So that's one of the things we pay attention to when we work with observational clues. Thank you, Betty. I might be able to give you a good observation here. Okay. <laughs> and not interpretation. So, so me listening to the text, Obviously, Paul knows this person must have a relationship with Philemon because I hear Paul's heart coming across in this letter to him. Um, and then I also also see that um, as he's writing to him, uh, I, I hear Paul tell him also that whatever has, has occurred here, I will pay pay the debt. Yes. Whatever it is, charge it to me. Yes. And, and so, you know, the, the greeting at the very beginning of this I just hear Paul's heart to him, you know, telling him like, uh, you know, receive this in love, and and to you know, it, when you tell somebody that, at least now, when 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 we say, hey, you know, receive this out of, out of love, you know, hear my heart in this, because there might be something going on between you and that person, and so you're trying to get them to really hear your heart and not not uh, have their emotions interpret what you're trying to say to them. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Okay, thank you very much. There's definite, the text definitely speaks to this. Uh, he calls him a beloved brother. Uh, he thanked God always for him in his prayers. Okay, uh, so those are definite observations for the whole spirit of Paul's relationship with Philemon. Yeah, very good. Anybody else? Anything jump out at you? Um, well, like in verse 17, I thought it was interesting um, that Paul, I mean, he obviously has a lot of, of, of invested in this um, because he says to, to Philemon, um, if you count me a partner, receive him as myself. Mm-hmm. And so he obviously sees this guy, I forgot his name, um, starts to know, I can't say it. Um, Onesimus. Yeah, I can't say it, but Onesimus. Onesimus. You're not the only one. Okay. I had to practice it 72 times almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, he obviously has a lot of respect for Onesimus, and he obviously cares about him greatly and we've already talked about that but if he wants him to receive him as himself and this is the guy paul who fathered their faith then it's obviously somebody he has a lot of respect for and sees a lot value in him thank you very much that's right we definitely see that we can observe that in the text i mean he calls him a beloved brother okay he paul refers to himself as onesimus's father he became his father in prison okay now we can interpret that later (laughs) what kind of father 
but we we know the text says father. Okay, so that's wonderful. Okay, uh, the time goes much quicker doing this than I thought it would. We do end at nine thirty, right? Okay, we've only scratched the surface. Okay, I have about five more minutes, so I'm trying to process real quickly with the Lord's help here how to finish these last five minutes today uh, because there's just so much more to do. Uh, did anybody have another thing that was jumping out that you're just really burning to say? Okay, so as we move, as we continue in observation, and I've talked about the observational clues, Betty touched on one of the observational clues. You didn't name the clue itself, but that's okay. And that is contrast. Uh, sometimes finding contrast is extremely helpful as we study a book or a passage. And so uh, Betty has found this contrast, and everyone probably noticed it, just didn't see it, say it. But there's a stark contrast between who Onesimus was and who Onesimus is. Okay, he was beloved brother. I mean, he was a useless. He is beloved brother. Okay. Uh, and so that's a, that's a really important contrast uh, that we see here in Onesimus' life. And one of the things I always take from this when I study this book and when I lead other people to uh, study this book, one of my favorite takeaways, and I'm sort of quickly moving now to application since we only have a few minutes left for this morning, and I want you to have something to apply today, okay? And then we'll do more with Philemon the rest of the week. Uh, I want you to think about the fact that all of us in Christ have was, is testimonies, okay? Generally speaking, we all were sinners. We are now redeemed saints, okay? So we all have a, a was, is testimony just basically about being a sinner, now a saint, okay? Now a redeemed person in Jesus, amen? Okay, but we have other specific was, is testimonies in our lives because of things that God has done for each of us individually. And I like to help remind people of those because we get in the midst of the stuff of our lives, you know, and we, we're dealing with the fresh problems and there's a fresh prayer request and somebody else has, you know, got cancer in our family or among our friends and we're praying for that. And, and you know, sometimes we can get down and doubtful and we just get in the dumps and we just need to be reminded every once in a while, you know, no matter what we're going through right now, we used to be there. <laughs> And we're no longer there, okay? We're here now, praise God. Uh, some people have uh, the, I was an alcoholic, I am now sober testimony, or I was a drug addict, and I'm now sober testimony, okay? I don't have that testimony, praise God, because I was never addicted to those things. Hallelujah. But I have my own stuff, you know? I have some was, is moments. Uh, I was addicted uh, to... Uh, to other things, I was addicted to online shopping for a while. Fortunately, it was just ties on eBay. I'm not, I'm not kidding. For some reason, this is when I needed to dress up more often. I was wearing a coat and tie with my ministry more often. And I never paid more than $10 for a tie. That was the thing about it. I, I just loved finding the bargain. Okay. And I was driving Nancy nut. What do you think? I'm, I've narrowed it down to these three, honey. Do you, which, which of these three do you like the best? Okay, that was that had become a true addiction. I, mean, I was spending two hours a night looking at ties on eBay. Well, there's a lot better things I can do with my time than that, with God's time than that, right? So now that's sort of a silly one, but it was an important one for me at that time in my life. I was addicted to sports. This was a bigger one for my family, especially for Nancy. Uh, 
I was addicted to sports. I am now free from that. I don't ever watch. The only sports I watch anymore is Georgia Bulldog football. And that's not, yeah, that's, that's not an addiction. That's a blessing. But I used to spend every Sunday afternoon watching the NFL and Monday night and Thursday night and Saturday watching college football and you name it. And there's my family suffering. But praise God, God delivered me from that. So what are some of your was, is moments that you can reflect back on and thank God for? And remind yourself that if God could give you that was, is moment, he can give you another one today. What are you in the midst of today that you hope pretty soon is going to become a was instead of a now is? It's going to become a was through God's power. Amen? (laughs) It's going to become a was because we can count on God. We sometimes forget the depth of our sin. If God can forgive me of my sin and my sinfulness, and he did, he can do anything. He can do anything. Lord God, we thank you for your amazing love in our lives. We thank you that you have redeemed us, saved us, rescued us, liberated us. And some of us today are living in moments that are difficult. We're living in moments that we wish were, and they're soon going to be. We count on this in the precious and holy and powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Be blessed.